Welcome to the Salon Professional Podcast brought to you by Evolve Salon Systems. If you are in the professional salon industry, this podcast was created for you. We are going to talk about everything from trending topics, motivation, business savvy, and bring you incredible guests along the way. If you love what you're hearing, please hit that subscribe button and definitely leave us a review. Thanks so much for tuning in. Welcome everybody to the Salon Professional Podcast. I am so excited to be joined by Miss Jessica Dennehy. Um, you came highly recommended from one of our team leaders, Kristen Young, who I know you guys are like super childhood best friends and everyone in our world knows Kristen. She's amazing. So yes. I, I just have really enjoyed getting to know you when we spoke and you've got a lot to share and we are this, this episode is going to be about all about pivoting and slaying the pivot and slay. So I want to start a little bit with your background and how you even got into this business, getting like owning a barbershop, but tell me where it all started. Okay. So since I was little, I love to talk and I love to argue in a very calm way with people. So naturally I wanted to be a lawyer ever since I was a little girl and so after I graduated college, that's what I did. I went to law school and I got my dream job working as a regulator at the New York Stock Exchange, which I really loved every second of, but it was very time consuming. And I started yeah. to settle down. Was it, was it really that. demanding? Like, where is it so demanding where you just like, I feel like it, it sounds like a rat race. Like you're just running all the time and just craziness. Yeah, I mean, well, Wall Street's a really exciting place. And that's mm -hmm. one of the things I loved about it was the energy. Of course, it is, with all the excitement does come a lot of stress. And there is a rat race element to it. So it was very demanding and time consuming. But it was a really rewarding job because I was on the side of the investor, helping people that had lost money or been taken advantage of from their brokers and I was trying to help get those brokers suspended or taking their licenses away and making sure that they're following the rules so that the investor doesn't get hurt. So I'm always on the side of small business and, um, and the mom and pops of the world. Cause that's, Oh, so that always played into it. So even when you were in this sort of high powered field, you were always the advocate for the small business. Yeah, absolutely. I love small mm -hmm. business and it just, it was a very natural progression to become a small business owner because as a corporate lawyer, I'm really familiar with the way that organizations are structured and that companies are run. And I, um, you know, securities law is a very small faction of corporate law. So I was always familiar with theoretically how companies should run and what works best. But as a lawyer, you're always seeing the end result and how it went wrong. You can't right. stop it, you know, in, in the regulatory world, you can't stop it from happening. By the time it got to my desk, it had already happened. So there is like a theoretical sense of how a company should run. So when I opened up my own business, I knew what I should and shouldn't do, you know, from that experience on Wall Street. But of course, there's a whole host of other things I learned. Other things come up. Right. Well, what made you leave Wall Street and start a barbershop of all things? Like, where did that come from? Well, I'm not a stylist. Everyone asks me that. I don't know how to cut your hair. I don't know how to color your hair. You'd hate me if I attempted <laughs> any of that. So what happened was at the time um, in 2012, I was pregnant with my first child. So actually, this is 2011 is when I got pregnant. And 
my ex-husband and I, at the time we were married, um, were just talking about things that he could do because he, we both knew that my job, um, was not going to be my priority soon because I was about to have a little right. bit. We were trying to think of ways where we could make a lot of money or grow something that will make us a lot of money. And he came up with this idea of an upscale barbershop because he's a custom clothing designer. So the thought was he would put a little element of custom clothing in there and make it kind of like a man's place where they could get a custom suit, they could get an, a shave, a haircut, and it would be manly. At the time, we're based in Long Island, and there's a litany of barbershops, but they're all dated and very mm -hmm. old. This is like almost 10 years ago now. Um, okay, so still, you were one of the first in that market to have that sort of gentleman's upscale barbershop. In Long Island, we were the first. There was nobody else. Yeah. This um, is not a $10 barbershop haircut. No, no, it's $25 for a cut. Um, Very reasonable. Pretty still. reasonable. Yeah. yeah. This was our thought. The options at the time were a $10 haircut from some like crappy place or you go to a woman's salon and you pay $50, $60 and you're around a bunch of women. And we just didn't think like most men wanted something nice, but not something yeah. that will be around all the women and chit chatting of that. So we created this like upscale men's barbershop and it really took off really fast. And just in the nick of time, because I was getting frustrated working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week in the city. So with the commute, I was gone for like 70 hours a week. You want us to be with your baby. Yeah. yeah. Now I didn't want I didn't want to stop working because I'm a career woman. I'm very sure. ambitious. But I wanted to have more control over my life. And when you're working for someone else, you don't have that control. So, you know, when you're working for yourself, you're always on and there's a lot of uh, boundary issues that you need to deal with. But at least you can make it work for you, whatever that lifestyle is that you want. So was this your first sort of pivot and slay? I would say yes. On some level, for yeah, fun. it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had other personal ones, but I think sure. this was my first career pivot and slay for sure. And it was terrifying. And one thing when I talk to entrepreneurs, I'm, a, I'm an action taker. And a lot mm -hmm. of people aren't, right? So they're always waiting, like, when's the best time? Now is not or the like best time. are like writing the million ideas, right? Yeah, and, and they're all in their ideas and they're not doing anything. And they're waiting. They're waiting for an appropriate time. And when they have enough money, when they have enough this, when they have enough that. Meanwhile, I was a week away from having my first child, which is probably a huge, one of the most life-changing events that could happen. Sure. I'm signing a lease. I'm signing a 10-year lease for a business one week away from having a baby. What I tell you up a very fruitful career financially. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I wasn't leaving just yet. I wasn't yeah. leaving just yet because one okay. thing, you know, one, one reason a lot of small businesses fail is because they don't have enough capital to infuse mm -hmm. into the company. And so they start either they take money out too soon instead of reinvesting it, or they don't have enough to start with. So, they use it all and then they have none thinking that the company will get up and running fast. And normally I would say you need like an 18 to 24 month cushion. And so I wasn't leaving. I was mm -hmm. setting my sights on the long term, right? I mean, I knew that I had to keep working to get the business off the ground. So that's what I did.
So what was your role in the barbershop business, which is still in existence? Um, let's, I actually have the name written down. We have Mad Men Barbershop. That reminds me, was it a take off the show? Like the gentleman? Yeah. yeah. I love that. I'm thinking of like- kind of a double entendre because okay. um, on the South Shore of Long Island, where we first opened, it's very Italian and mm-hmm. mob, mob themed like stuff is big here. So it was sure. kind of like Mad Men, the show, but also like mad, like crazy. Like so, Sopranos vibe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. So what was your role? So you're, you're having the baby, you're working the long hours with your career as a lawyer. What is your role with Mad Men Barbershop at that point in building this? Uh, business? Yeah, it's, it definitely has evolved. At first, my role was I was the investor, right? It gave, mm-hmm. I, I, I seeded the money and bootstrapped the company at first. But it was really my ex-husband and still business partner whose vision was to take the company, you know, where he where he thought the most lucrative path would be, which was the Mad Men theme. And he really came up with the vision and the branding for the company. Uh, and I was like, you know, the seed money and the investor. And then we would make all high level like financial decisions together. But because I was so busy at my job, he really took on all the responsibilities of running the daily operations there at first. And he was there every single day working his tail off um, to get the business up and running. And, and, and still it- designing at that point, he's still designing the custom clothing. The intention was yes, but what, <laughs> ended, that, what ended up happening, and this was a happy coincidence for us is that, that part of the business, at first, we we made a lot of money off of that, but the barbershop grew so mm-hmm. exponentially that he kind of got pushed out. Like, he had this little space he was yeah. working out of, but we had to keep hiring more barbers and um, building out more chairs and stations because it was just taking off so fast. So that part of the business didn't last very long. So it became the place to work. Like, not only... Yeah. Did you have a great client base? You also became, you were getting great talent because you became the place to work. Yeah. And that's the funny part. At first, no one wanted to jump ship at their job and work <laughs> for us because we didn't have any name recognition. But what happened was the clients were so drawn to our business because of the innovative feel that it had that once that started happening, the barbers were like, oh, okay, now we'll feel more comfortable coming and working for you. And Craig, one of the owners of Evolve always says this, when you have like your job as the owner is to bring the clients in. And then when you have the clients, the talent's going to follow. So I love that because it's really hard to get a new stylist or barber, like with a full clientele, they're usually not jumping ship, right? They're usually life is pretty good. So it's like, if you've got all these clients to feed them, you're able to get talent. So I love that. I feel like you have a whole nother episode to record about what it's like to work with your ex. (laughs) (laughs) Cause you've been like super like generous in your compliments of him. So whatever you guys have going on is great. So you should be on some other kind of podcast episode about how to um, be business partners with your ex-husband. I love it. That's fantastic. One thing about being an entrepreneur is really knowing what you're good at and Mm -hmm. where you need to, um, where you need help or where you need to lean on someone else. And I think the great thing about him and I is we have extremely different strengths and that's what (laughs) makes a good business partnership. A lot of people tend to go into business with people they feel 
are like-minded and in some ways you need someone who has similar work ethic to you we're both very decisive and um we stick to our guns, we make decisions quickly, we kind of trust our gut instincts. So that's good because that's symbiotic. But if we both had the same job, it wouldn't really benefit the company, right? So the things that he loves to do for Mad Men are opposite of what I love to do for Mad Men. And so it's been interesting because we complement each other in that way. And how has Mad Men grown over the years? We actually scaled it to three shops. Um, We, so we opened in 2012. And then that one took off three years later in 2016, that's four years later, we opened up our second shop, which was about 20 minutes away from the first shop. And then in 2017, at the very end of 2017, we opened a shop in the Dominican Republic. A lot of our barbers are Dominican, and that's how that came about. And we sold that one in 2019. So now we just have the two and we were looking to get us a, a third location in Long Island, but COVID hit and kind of delayed us, but we're, we're have our sights on another one. Um, so what do, would you say if somebody is looking to scale their business um, and I want to get into COVID and everything and how that affected your business, but if somebody is looking to grow, what bit of advice would you have for them? Well, in order to grow, you have to move from working in your business to working on the business. So you cannot be in in your field. I'll use your field specifically. You can't be a stylist all day, every day and expect to be able to scale a business the way that you should. Because when you're working there as a stylist, you're not working on the global business structure and um, you need to take the time to see the business from a higher level and make the business scale that way. So I think it's the hardest part for in any industry is taking a step removed and taking a step back and trusting the people under you to do the job the way that you want them to. And it takes a level of trust and we're all for the most part, entrepreneurs are type a and we have control issues. And it's really hard for most of us to let go a little bit. Right. Well, also, usually the owner, a lot of the times will be the biggest breadwinner in terms of, um, you know, commissions coming into the salon. So I love. So when you work with it, if somebody, you know, reaches out to you for help, is that something you work with them on is how to start working on their business and working out a plan that way? Yeah, absolutely. I think delegation is the number one thing that we delay the most as entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. We're so scared that if we don't do X, Y, and Z, it won't get done right. But that's actually not true. You, No one wants to step back and take the time to teach someone to do it their way because they right. feel like that's a waste of time. But what it really is is an investment in the future. So you take that time and you put it in the work to make someone else understand what you need. And then after that work is over, you get to take a step back and and trust that it will continue the way you want it to. I love it. It's a lot of what we teach at Evolve as business coaches and mentors is you've got to step back from, you know, 40, 50 hours behind the chair and work on your business. So we like, that's why you make such a great guest for us. And we love having you is because there's, um, it's just, uh, we're in agreement on those things for sure. And tell me what happened when COVID hit, you have three businesses, COVID hits, you had to shut down. You're the queen of pivot and slay. So talk to me about the bad times and then how you were able to pivot and slay. Well, it's funny because everyone keeps asking about COVID and it's so important, but 
The truth is, if it wasn't COVID, it would be something else. No business continues on and on perfectly forever. You're always encountering some kind of problem, whether it's a global problem or a problem in the economy or, you know, a more localized one, like, you know. Great point. Infiltration of other copycats or whatever, other salons popping up, whatever it is. You're always, you always have to be ready to pivot and think of something innovative to keep yourself fresh and in the eyes of your customers. So this year, yeah, 2020, it was COVID and um, we were forced to shut down, as you know, and we had no idea how long that would last. It was a very scary moment. And we kind of just said to ourselves, what are we going to do? Like, we have to keep ourselves fresh. So we went we did a lot of donations. We have some manufacturing contacts that we were able to get surgical masks from very early on in March when no one else had access to them. So we used, we took them, we used our own money and we put a little Mad Men coupon on each pack of 10 and we just started donating them. And we thought that was like a good way to keep our name in, um, in front of people. Yeah. Great way to stay in the community and keep awareness out yeah. there during a time when you're shut down. So you're like, well, I can't advertise come in right now. So what a great way is to, to, um, be philanthropical. Yeah. And if, and even if somebody didn't have money to buy the masks, you could certainly donate your time or find other ways to do kind of donation things um, with that. So I love that. That's amazing. And we made we made funny videos like we made videos with the barbers stealing toilet paper because it was so <laughs> hard to find just to put on Instagram, just so people had something to laugh at. And of course, I started to work towards getting um, loans and stuff for our, our, our company and I was sitting down like doing that and it was so confusing and I'm like, wow, I have a legal degree and I'm sitting here like, what the heck is happening? Exhausting, confusing, people were freaking out. Yes. I started to make videos on Instagram and just be like, you need help with this because I can help you a little bit because I just did it myself. And local people started reaching out to me at first, like that was so helpful. Thank you so much. And then I was like, why don't I just keep doing this? I mean, my shops are shut down anyway. I had to figure out a way to make some money in the meantime. So I, uh, I do yoga every day. So I'm like, why don't I monetize that and start teaching classes? So I got my yoga teaching certificate, which usually isn't available virtually, but was because of COVID. So I did that. Mm-hmm. I started teaching yoga. I started posting about that. I started posting help for entrepreneurs and I, I felt good about it. I wasn't really making a lot of money. I was helping entrepreneurs for free and I was teaching yoga. Serving. You, know, you were so. serving and that is amazing in itself and not something that attracts people. So I love that. So finding ways when you're in a downtime, I feel like the advice is like, how do we serve our community or how do we find ways to serve people when we're feeling pretty scared and in desperate times, right? Yeah, it's a really good confidence booster and it gives, it gives you something positive and constructive to do, which we all need. Like the reason we work, yes, is for money, but also to feel like we're contributing and, you know, to sit home doing nothing for weeks on end is really detrimental to your mindset. So right. for me, this was a really positive way to give back to people that had supported my business and also just keep myself occupied doing something productive. And then it turned into another business for me. So I got my karma back. <laughs> I love it. So what, tell me about the business that that turned into. Well, I, I help people get through the pandemic and the shutdowns. And then when we reopened, 
a lot of those people reach out to me and they're like, what do I need? I can't read these rules. They're so confusing. Can you help me? Or I lost some client base. What do you think I can do to keep my ideas and my company fresh? Some people reached out to me and said they lost their jobs or they had realized over the shutdown that they were really unhappy and they wanted mm -hmm. to try to open their own business, but excuse me, they didn't know how. And I thought, man, I have all this knowledge and these people are recognizing it before I do. Like I, I had just been doing yeah. working all these years. I didn't realize what kind of knowledge I was accumulating. And so I thought, man, I should do this. So I started to take on, at first I took on people for free just to get my feet wet. And then I was yeah. like, oh man, I could do this. And I'm going to, I'm going to create a company that does this. And so then Pivot and Slay was born. So we hear this all the time, imposter syndrome. Were you feeling that at first? I feel it every day. I'm not going to lie. Like, Me too. <laughs> okay. So here's what I think, guys. Imposter syndrome is real. It's for real. And I think that the people that feel it the most are the best people because they're afraid. They're so determined to add value to your life that they operate under the assumption that maybe they're not quite giving you enough. And it's crazy because the people that feel that way are often the ones who are giving way more than anyone else. Right. I, I still feel that way. And I'm part of this like business entrepreneur group. And when I'm in that room, I feel imposter syndrome because I'm like, man, these people. Why do have, I belong here? Yeah, like, like, why do they want me? Like, what do I have to offer that they don't know? But the truth is the things I think are simple or were easy for me to accomplish other people are thinking how the hell did she do that <laughs> and then I think that about them and so what we have to realize is yes maybe something is easier for you or maybe you are a worker bee so you think to yourself of course I did that I worked hard for it but just because someone else has the same opportunity to do that doesn't mean they can and it doesn't mean they could do it the same way that you can so you have to start viewing your accomplishments as significant because they are and when you're having these imposter moments you need to look at the evidence and say to yourself damn i did this. i did that i do yeah. this i do that and that's a big deal and you need Absolutely. to say that to yourself i love that you shared that and i love that you're, you're like being vulnerable and saying girl i feel it every day and i think like for stylists that i encourage like through social media, I'm like, come on, get out there, get your face out there, show them how to use these products, share your knowledge. And they're like, what, they're like, what business do I have doing that? I have 300 followers. And I always say, those are 300 people that you can make have a great freaking hair day. So cut the BS. And I think we all have to get over that. We have to get over vanity metrics. You have to just get over all this BS that we're not good enough because you know what, if you're serving your audience and you have something to share that's valuable, like you said, get it out there. And it's okay to feel. I have two points to that. One is yes. I take done over perfect. I'm a perfectionist. And mm -hmm. then some of the stuff that was holding me back was like, oh, I don't like the way I look in that. I don't, right. I said, say it perfect. Oh, well, put it out there. And people are going to actually appreciate that you're being real and not perfect. Cause guess what? They're not perfect. So sometimes okay. seeing something perfect makes them feel bad about themselves. Just be real with people. And the second thing is there's so many people out there with tons of followers that don't give a crap about their content and that aren't really engaging with them. So if you have 300 people and they're engaging with you, that's more valuable than having a million followers and 10 people engaging with you. 
Absolutely. So I like call to action, stylist listening to this, get out there, share your wisdom. You're the beauty professional. I love that. And it's okay to feel a little imposter syndrome, but just do it. And remind me, I heard this quote from Jasmine Starr, saw on stage, and she said, um, don't use perfect, like don't use perfectionism for procrastination as a, an excuse to procrastinate. And I say it to myself all the time. So I'm like, oh, I have to make that video or I have to get that done. But, oh, I don't like my hair today. So I'm not going to do it. And I'm like, that's, uh, oh, I'm procrastinating. I just really don't want to do it. So the easiest way to get nothing done is to do nothing. I mean, you have to, <laughs> you have to act guys, like stop waiting around for the perfect hair day, the perfect situation, the perfect amount of money. Just do it. Like it, it's better right. that it's getting done imperfectly than waiting for a perfect time. Cause there's no such thing. And you're just telling yourself that. So you're avoiding it. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell me how the Mad Men barbershops are doing. They're doing great. I mean, we have um, not a fully bounced back. I wouldn't say things are the same as they were. Well, you're in New York and that's, I know there's a lot of constraints and things, but for what you're allowed to do is business. How do you feel it's going? I think it's going great. I think we, we adapted very quickly. We're, that's, that's another thing. You have to learn to adapt and do it fast. And sometimes you have to throw caution to the wind in terms of finances, like this year, a lot of people held on, not advertising, not spending money. I did the opposite because I know if I keep myself front and center, that eventually we will get back to where we were before. If I do nothing, I could just fall off the radar forever. So, you know, we, we pivoted very quickly. We got everything we needed to get. We had it all ready to go. We, you know, we set the standards for the staff. And we just kind of went with the flow, you know, and there were months, the first couple of months, we, I was giving these, these guys money from my own pocket because we weren't making, we weren't even breaking even, but I was like, I'm not losing my staff. I will throw money at you to stay and this will be worth it in the end. And that all comes down to, so you were able to get loans, but you probably also like had a nest egg because every smart business has a certain amount of months of expenses available to them. And that's something we always teach is you have to have six months of expenses sitting in that account. And the people that did were able to get through, right? Yeah. It's hard. Listen, it's hard because when you're starting out, especially, and you see that bank balance, you're kind of like, hmm, I could use that for blah, 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 blah. Right. But you have to have restraint and discipline as a business owner. And it's a hard thing to do because now it's like you see that money and you could take it all as like your personal income or you could keep it there and, you know, make the smart decision. And sometimes you have to stumble before you get to the point where you say to yourself, no, I need to be disciplined. I need to do this. So tell me, how can people and entrepreneurs work with you? Like, tell me what you offer, how they can be a part of your world, whether it's through yoga or business or um, what they need advice. What is it? How do we work with you? So I have a, on my website, pivotandslay.com. I have a bunch of different packages. Um, I do coaching. So you can hire yeah. me a business coach and consultant and we could work together for several months at a time doing weekly action steps towards reaching whatever goals you want to reach. Um, for new entrepreneurs, I could set up your, you know, LLC, your entity. I could get you uh, documented with all of your operational agreements. I could structure your company. I can do subcontractor agreements for you. I could help you get everything you need um, for your business to be solid and structured. 
and I could do your trademarks. I could do copyright, things like that. I kind of like (laughs) whatever you need, I can get it done for you. So if you want to work with me, reach out to me through my website and we can start working. Now I'm going to call to action too. Have you thought about having like a weekly, maybe like series on your Instagram where you're just answering questions and things like that? I think that would be so cool for people to, I think that'd be so fun. You're like, girl, I have two kids three businesses like really are you no even i think it's a great idea saying that to me right idea. now <laughs> that's a good idea it is yeah. and i do i do mindset coaching and private yoga training for because i'm really into fitness and i feel like fitness is such yeah. an integral part of being an entrepreneur because it gets you up and motivated in the morning and it helps you like really understand what's going on in your mind because you're giving yourself that tlc So, um, I, I should do some, you know, lives where people can interact with me and questions. So, you know what? I have an idea. I have an idea how you can get this started. So what I'm going to do in the show notes is I'm going to put your Instagram handle. I'm going to put the, um, obviously your website and everything, but you guys go to her Instagram, follow, and then send her a DM with a question you have. And then like, you could compile all the questions you get from our audience and do a live and answer them. I love that. Yeah. So why doesn't everybody that's listening, your call to action is ask your most burning business question. And it can be anything, right? And then your commitment is you're going to get a bunch of those and you're going to go live and share those back. I just totally put her on the spot. You guys. I'll totally do it. (laughs) No problem. Kristen and I need to come hang out with you. Like I know you guys are best friends, but I'm going to intrude on this because I feel like you've mentioned wineries and things. So that's going to be something that I do. I would that love my- that. Your call to action is to go to a winery? I mean, my- come on. <laughs> your call to action is you're hosting a live. My call to action is going to a winery. I pick up Kristen in Connecticut. We head out to Long Island. So we've got, we've got the hardest job. I see why you two are friends. Absolutely. So I love this whole concept of pivot and slay. And there's a lot of people hurting right now and they're just not sure like, you know, what to do. Um, And they're just getting, you know, it's a scary time. And I think the good news is we've got vaccines. We're coming out the other side of it. Things are going to get better. What would be like your best piece of advice for someone right now? That's just feeling like, like stuck. Like I don't even know the first action step to take. Um, What would be like that universal piece of advice that you would, love to share. Well, first of all, I have an amazing free pivot and slay business checklist to launch your business. So if you want that, you can DM me and I will get it to you. But my best piece of advice is start starting. Stop being overwhelmed by all the pieces and just do one piece. We all know the things we, you need a website, you need an Instagram handle, you need Facebook, go get that. Just do it. Just do one thing. Because once you start with one thing, the rest is going to snowball. It's the thought of starting that takes people um, too too long to get to. They, they get overwhelmed. Right. So just do one thing and then the rest will follow. And then you can pivot and slay. I love it. I appreciate your time so much. I This was so much fun. I have learned a lot. I feel like super inspired right now. Other than going to a winery, I'm going to do some other things. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. incredible. So you guys send those questions over to Jessica and you know what? We can always host another episode also with Jessica with questions that you guys have pertaining to the business and we can do a Q and a podcast. So you can um, also drop in the podcast. You can drop some questions there too, but you can find all of Jessica's information right in the show notes. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Thank you. 
so much. And I look forward to uh, more connections with you. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast today. We hope you loved it as much as we enjoyed creating it for you. If you did, please take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your social channels. Share this podcast with your industry friends. And don't forget to leave us a review. If you have ideas for upcoming episodes that you'd like us to cover, or if you would like to be a guest on our podcast, email us at socialmedia.com at EvolveSalonSystems.com. We look forward to hearing from you and we love bringing you great content for our incredible industry.